0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show, we talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart.
1: Hey, get your popcorn ready.
0: NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL On TuneIn,
2: your everything audio app. Hello, welcome to NFL No Huddle the Podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to share our weekly power rankings and catch up with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio and former NFL quarterback Zach Robinson.
1: And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport.
0: Now it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn.
2: Ian, always a pleasure. No, it's already been a long day for you. I've enjoyed your reporting on NFL Network. So, what can you tell our audience about the biggest takeaways from the NFL quarterly meeting that wrapped up today as the owners are heading to the airport in New York?
3: I think the main thing for me is that the owners are not going to force the players to stand for the anthem. And I don't know exactly what I was expecting coming out of here, um, but I think some thought that this issue was going to be over. Players were going to agree to all stand. And in exchange, the owners got, you know, would basically give them resources and platforms to help the social causes they feel are important to them. That did not come out of this. Uh, There's no quid pro quo. There's no mandate to stand. Um, There's no agreement between owners and players. There really is just a lot of really good dialogue and a lot of good progress. And I think for the first time, you know, maybe the best communication that we've had between owners and players and some of the players I've spoken with are just excited to have the owners listening to them. Uh, But it is going to be a process, and, and, you know, they're going to meet again in a couple weeks, uh, for instance.
1: So, Ian, is it okay to say that uh, Colin Kaepernick – uh, message is, is finally, and what he was trying to get accomplished has finally gotten to a place where the process is actually starting to try to, not saying the NFL was the enemy, but bringing a level of relevance uh, to something where it's not just the players and, and everyone saying how the players need to be stand-up guys, but also taking the entity that employs these players to be involved as well.
3: Yeah. And it's, you know, the result of all of this is going to be a couple of things. One, Colin Kaepernick may never play football again in the NFL. Two, all of the things that he was fighting for are going to happen. Uh, and it's an amazing thing because you now have NFL owners who were against him sitting against him kneeling who now say, you know what, I still wish players would stand, but I understand. I understand what he was fighting for. I understand the message. I understand why some of these issues are important for them in the community. I mean, you had a situation a couple of days ago where Roger Goodell uh, and a player uh, were co-signing a letter uh, supporting a bill in Washington aimed at, you know, mandatory sentencing. I mean, that's – Doug Baldwin, of course. That's amazing. That would never have happened a couple years ago. I think it's all really good.
2: And hey, let me take you to Indy. As you know, within the hour, the Colts announcing Andrew Luck has received a cortisone shot and now is going to be resting for a while. What's the likelihood they shut him down for the rest of the season?
3: They wouldn't go there today. Um, I know they wouldn't talk about that. And It really does depend on how his shoulder feels, if it stops being sore and kind of where they are. But for the first time today, we do not know if Luck's going to play this season. Everything besides that has been positive. He's good. He's good. You know, things are progressing in the right direction. He'll play when he plays. And today, it's, we don't know. Uh, and it's, you know, look, it's a setback. It is it is most certainly a setback. And they're playing with Jacoby Brissett. He's playing well. Um, they haven't won a ton of games, but they've been in games. And they might need to do that for a little while because right now, you know, it's obviously going to be several weeks until we see Andrew Luck on the field, if at all. How frustrating
1: do you think it is uh, when it comes to the trainers, the doctors, Uh, that started this process in January, and he's still not healthy, and he's taken a cortisone shot in week six of the season. But yet you had Cam Cam Newton, who somewhat had maybe a relative uh, surgically repaired shoulder in the sense of the process, and now he's playing, and his his started in March, which was two months later, but yet he's out on the football field having back-to-back weeks of throwing for 300 yards, uh, but yet loses against the Philadelphia Eagles.
3: I think it's all frustrating. I mean, I'm sure Luck is not happy. I know the Colts are not happy. But it's the problem is it's no one's fault. You know, the only thing you might say is, why didn't he have surgery right after the season? That is a legitimate concern. But Chris Ballard, the GM, wasn't there at the time. Um, you know, they thought this would be something where he'd be ready for the season. But obviously, um, they should have had it as, you know, as soon as possible. And And here's the other thing. Luck's been playing through a lot. I mean, that's just... You know, that's that's really one thing that comes out of this is his shoulder must have been through a lot in the past two years. Everything he played through, taking hits, still out there. Um, I wonder when the last time we actually saw him healthy and on the field was. It's been a while.
2: Finally, Ian, what can you tell us about your report on Sunday that Martavis Bryant or people close to him recently asked the Steelers for a trade?
3: Uh, it's accurate. Uh it happened uh, after week five, I believe, something the Steelers are aware of, uh, you know, request came official uh, in writing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that I'm sure nobody wants the distraction. Uh, you know, I know Martavis kind of said, you know, they asked him about it. He said, no, nah, I'm good, uh, which isn't really a denial, though people are sort of calling it that. Um, but it happened. It's what it is. Uh, If he has value, I think they may try to trade him, but right now they have not granted his request for a trade. They're going to hope he's productive on the field.
2: And as always, we appreciate the insights, and we'll chat with you Sunday on NFL First and Goal. Thanks,
0: guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more
2: after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From Week 1 to Week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. take at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown! Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's head under center with former NFL quarterback and pro football focus analyst, Zach Robinson. Zach, we appreciate you taking the time. We have to start an in indie because within the last 30 minutes, Colts GM Chris Ballard announcing quarter zone shot and rest. Now for Andrew Luck this week after soreness. I realize that Indy is still very much alive at a competitive AFC South, but in your view, should the Colts shut down Luck for the rest of the season?
4: I think so. I think at this point, uh, especially with, with Jacoby Brissett and how he's playing, uh, I think that that's probably the best uh, spot at this point. I mean, uh, why risk anything further? You're, you're in the hunt, but you got a quarterback that's playing pretty well. There's really no rush to, to get him back in right now. i, I definitely shut him down.
1: When you think about this team and, and the players around him that may want him to get in, sure, Jacoby Brissett is playing really good, but you think uh, he's capable of handling uh, the pressures of, of maybe getting his team a little bit further than just being a wild card team or maybe having a chance to even win a division? If that is so, wouldn't you want to have your marquee guy in if he says that he's ready to go and everything is clear?
4: Right, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there's, uh, you know there's a lot going into it. I, I still think that Brissett is a guy that can and has shown you know throughout the season pretty much so far that that he can, uh, that he can carry the offense at times when it's needed. He's made you know some significant uh, mistakes, especially under pressure. His under pressure ratings are, are pretty low in terms of the NFL. But uh, I think he's a guy that you know you, you, watch the, you watch him play, he's got the right look on his face. Uh, you, you hear about the leadership and all those things that he brings. So uh, if there's any kind of indecision on luck and, and what that's going to impact in the future, uh, I would much rather kind of sit him down and, and keep rolling with uh, Jacob Brissett here.
2: Zach, let's move to Green Bay. I'm based in L.A. I work for the Pac-12 Network. So I saw Brett Hundley a lot at UCLA, and you're aware he probably would have been a second-round pick if he had come out the year prior, and I know he was a fifth-round pick. So if we're evaluating what he can do – Matt Flynn held the Packers together the last time Aaron Rodgers went down with a broken collarbone. Do you think Hundley can do something similar?
4: Uh, you know, I, I don't see it as much uh, with, with Hundley. I've kind of followed him, you know, throughout his career at UCLA and uh, just the little bit that he's gotten in this preseason as well. He was actually, uh, in terms of our grades at pro football focus, their second lowest graded player on offense throughout the preseason. Uh, the stats didn't always show up. He kind of threw some uh, some passes that uh, were kind of turnover-worthy and could have been picked off. Uh, you like his athleticism. You, you want to get him out on the move, bootlegs, you know, all those design things. But uh, winning from the pocket, he, he does tend to hold the ball and, and, and take quite a few sacks. Uh, and he had the highest sack percentage when he was under pressure uh, his last year at UCLA. So uh, there, there's some things to like with his athleticism and, and throwing from a clean pocket, but. Uh, Some of these subtleties, you know, moving in the pocket and and sliding to find guys, uh, they're going to miss that big time. And and I think another big heads-up is uh, watch his outbreak. He throws to the left. It showed up as actually his first throw uh, last week, and uh, outbreaker to the left ended up behind the receiver. He tends to to leave those behind receivers. So um, there's some things to like, but I I don't know if he can completely hold it together with, uh, you know, some of the injuries they've had, especially on the offensive line.
1: Zach, it seems like the Minnesota Vikings are trending to having a good problem. Uh, Case Keenum obviously is playing really good football, something that we didn't get a chance to see him do well last year with the Rams, but he seems like he's in a good place. Uh, But now you have Teddy Bridgewater who's cleared. He seems like he's healthy and pretty much ready to go, and then you're eventually going to have Sam Bradford hopefully healthy down the road. How would you deal with the quarterback's carousel there, uh, in Minnesota, if you see these other two quarterbacks sitting in the wings, who were starters on this team, but Case Keenum has the ball rolling with this team.
4: Yeah, he does. He's he's played really well. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think he was our top graded guy in the NFL. Uh, I think uh, week three or whenever that was, he took over. But um, I, I think if uh, you know if if it's all if they're all healthy, you know, Bradford's probably still the best guy for that offense. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't know if it's if it's right to. Uh, throw him in there and uh, hasn't got snaps in such a long time now. And, and uh, you know, if Bradford's upright and the knee's, knees fine and everything. I think he's still the best guy for that offense and, and just shooting it around with, uh, you know, an improved offensive line, which, which last year we saw they were one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They've, they've kind of fixed some problems up front and, and have kept it clean for Bradford when he's been in there. So uh, I'd roll Bradford if he's, uh, if he's all healthy and ready to go here down the road.
2: Chatting with Pro Football Focus analyst Zach Robinson, the former NFL quarterback. Zach, you spent time with the Lions, so you know. If I'm talking Detroit, I got to mention they haven't won a playoff game since 1991, and we know that Matthew Stafford's making a lot of money. Put all that aside, just breaking down the tape. Where do you slot Stafford among frontline starters?
4: You know, he's. Uh, I think he's definitely in the top 12-ish or so. Uh, you know, took took a little step back. Had a tough week last week. Uh, nine batted passes. The Saints. Uh, they've blitzed some 39, I think, of his of his 50-something drop back. So It was a crazy week, but I, I think uh, overall he's kind of in that uh, top 12-ish, 10-ish uh, category. The, the the scheme that they've kind of set up for him uh, in the last couple of years is uh, they've simplified it. They've got the ball out of his hands. Uh, they've kind of taken less risks down the field and uh, just honed in his game a little bit, and you've seen it, it pay off big time because he's, Uh, definitely improved from his his previous years and kind of harnessed in some of those things that hurt him early on in his career. But I think he's definitely a top 10 to, to 12 guy.
1: When you see the Arizona Cardinals with the talent they have on this team, of course the the guys that's longer in the tooth are, are the leaders on his team and Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald, but they end up bringing another guy that's pretty long in the tooth and Adrian Peterson. How, were, how impressed were you to see him have a good game and, and also see the scheme in which they went about this game for as Balance, running the football first, play action pass that helped Carson Palmer uh, to have an efficient game. How impressed are you to see this team playing this way?
4: Oh, man, I'm with you. That was, that was fun to see You know this scheme – uh, dialed up the way it's intended to do. Like you said, downhill running game, let him get in the eye and, and run straight downhill and then uh, get the play-action game going after that. And you saw Carson Palmer have huge benefits of that because a lot of their problems are, uh, you know, keeping him clean and, and uh, some of the, the forced throws that he makes are all under pressure and, and slide-stepping in the pocket. And, uh, you know, with that play-action game, the running game, uh, not getting as much pressure up front. and He's able to to sit back there and beat Carson Palmer and make big throws down the field, uh, how this offense wants to roll. So uh, that was a great addition for him, and I think it's, uh, it's going to be fun to just see if that can, that can keep rolling and they can build on that. He started off, I think, 13 for 13 last week and uh, hit a number of, of shots down the seams and off the of play action. So it's, it's a fun offense to watch when it's going.
2: Zach, let's wrap it up with the Rams. Jared Goff, as you know, didn't put up big numbers against the solid Jacksonville defense, but overall, how far has Goff come this year working with Sean McVay?
4: I think he's come along great. I mean, you, you look at Sean McVay's offense and they, uh, you know, scheme-wise, it's, it's, it's probably the best scheme in the NFL. You saw it at Washington, what he did with Cousins, but Goff's made a huge step in just owning the offense, uh, being more decisive with the ball. He's uh you know generally making pretty good decisions and, and uh delivering accurately and making uh, big throws down the field so he's he's taken a huge step uh you still want to see him uh you know make some of those tight pocket throws arm strength throws on digs you know third and eights when it's uh things are tight in there uh you want to see a little bit more of that but uh gosh you got to be got to be happy he's heading in the right direction for
2: Zach, we appreciate the information. As we say goodbye, I got into broadcasting because I was told there'd be no math involved, so arithmetic is not my friend. You have a nice combination of playing experience now working for Pro Football Focus. When you talk to former teammates and give them your assessment, how do former players view what you guys are trying to achieve with your site, which also involves data-driven analysis?
4: Right, yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, you know, you got the good with the bad. If they're, you know, offensive line seems to be uh, all my offensive line buddies don't like to see their grades and how many pressures they've given up because they've never really had a staff for offensive line. So there's definitely good and bad with it. I think once they kind of hear uh, all the things that you can uh, gather and all the information that's out there to kind of help them uh, as a player, we, we send a bunch of stuff to, you know, offenses and teams throughout the league that. Uh, I've had buddies on the offensive line that can sit there and watch all of Cameron Jordan's bull rushes and outside moves and inside moves. So there's a lot of great stuff that comes with it. Uh, and then you're always going to have you know kind of the haters out there that uh, don't don't think we know what we're doing and and all that good stuff. But uh, that just kind of comes with the territory.
2: Well, we enjoy reading your work. Keep it going, and thanks for joining us on the NFL on TuneIn.
4: Thanks. Hey, real quick, Cordell, I, I grew up in, in Denver. I was a Buffs fan growing up. I still remember to this day the the Hail Mary at Michigan. I was seven years old, man, and our neighborhood outside after that play absolutely lit up and and was hooting and hollering. Uh, But definitely a good memory, man. It It was a lot
1: of fun. Hey, Zach, I appreciate that, bro. Every time I, I hear those conversations, especially my buddies back at home, they said the same thing. Somewhere in the barbershop getting the edge up. And you know, when having <laughs> yeah. a razor blade in your hand getting the edge up, you get excited. You, you may lose an ear or two, but uh, now, yeah. man,
2: thanks. And that, that play will always cool. be f- yeah, remembered in that city. Yeah,
4: was going, was going nuts. It's still a very uh, vivid memory. It was fun. Well, Zach, uh,
2: before you leave, let's do data-driven analysis because Cordell and I have a difference of opinion when it comes to the greatest Hail Marys. I'm going to go Doug Flutie one Roger Stallback 2, we're going to combine college and the NFL. Cordell okay. had a great throw, but it's merely number 3 on my list. Your thoughts?
4: Uh, I say I'm going to go Cordell because he touched <laughs> that thing about 78 yards. How far did it go in the air? I mean, that was, thing was the most launched ball I think I've ever seen to the end
2: zone. Right answer, Zach. You're welcome anytime is. on the show. Thank you, Good Zach. Good man, Zach. Good man. Right, You're
0: listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season, free all year long. Touchdown! T- With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls for more than 100 schools live. Regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games. The college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free at home, on campus, or in rival territory. Hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for Cordell and I to detail the five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest.
0: It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm
2: more than sure. All right, partner, I'll go first, and I'm giving attribution. It's not stealing if I give credit to the original source. Peter King said it yesterday. I will repeat it today. At number five, the Houston Texans. You're going to counter. Wait a minute. They're 3-3 three and three in the round of the bye. you got to watch these games, and even the most casual fan knows how well the Sean Watson has played. I'm doing it now because they could lose to Seattle next week and be out of my top five. But as of today, eyeball test and forecasting – Houston, the fifth best team in all of football. Houston, we have no problem. And number four, before Cordell beats me to Pittsburgh, the Steelers. Four and two, coming off a quality win on the road in Kansas City. They're going to beat the Bengals on Sunday. They're going to run away with that division. With that, they're going to host a playoff game. And I have them back in the mix to make it back to the AFC Championship game, where they could see my third best team, the Patriots, Yes, they are dealing with issues, but look at the standings. Four and two, might have gotten some help from the officials on the road against the Jets, but they'll take the victory. They're going to beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl rematch on Sunday, and it feels like this defense is slowly moving in the right direction. And number two, no change from last week, Eagles. They're the best team in the NFC. Only loss coming on the road to Kansas City. I thought about the pros and cons of Bumping up Philadelphia one slot, but it would be illogical to have them ahead of the team they lost to. So, even though Kansas City suffered their first setback, Kansas City still number one with a bullet. And looking ahead to what's coming up, they have dominated Oakland. That's the matchup tomorrow on Thursday Night Football. Kansas City with five consecutive victories over the Silver and Black. They will keep that going tomorrow in Northern California. Houston 5, Pittsburgh 4, New England 3, Philadelphia 2, Kansas City 1. Back to you.
1: Well, I got something for you right here, my friend. This is going to blow the dome off of those shoulders over there. I got a team right there right around the corner for you. The L.A. Rams. Whoa. I got something for you. We got the kid and Jerry Goff and company playing some phenomenal football right now. I love when they go on the road. And they play as well as they're playing right now. They're undefeated on the road. This team can actually bust a move and play against anyone on the road and not be afraid of them, Brian Weber. I know you wasn't ready for this one. I know you want to talk about the Houston Texans, but I'm going to give it to Jared Goff and the company that he's around. People like the Aaron Donalds of the world, the Todd Gurley's. You have the old man, the grandpa, the legend. And Wade Phillips on the defensive side of the football and on offense, you have Sean McVay that has the number one overall pick a year or so ago. And Jared Goff playing some really good football right now. This team is sitting there at four and two. No one wants to believe it, but I'm drinking a Kool-Aid, one of the highest scoring teams in the National Football League. Yes, I know my narrative narrative, and my dialogue with this team is going extensively because everyone else, you'll understand what I'm saying when I pick them one four through one, but this team right now in the Rams, the Rams, ram it, baby. Jared Golf and company, it's getting it done. They're my number five team. I don't even have the Houston Texans in my top five. I have the Rams. They have, you know what? We don't need a Talk about four, three, two, and one. I just want to talk about the Rams. You know what? This was a team last year where everyone was questioning this young man and Jared Goff, wondering if he was capable of playing the National Football League because he couldn't take the snaps from under center. He couldn't get anything out of the huddle. And right now, you know what? People are singing a song. And there it is right there. Ram it, baby, at number five. Yes, I said it. The LA Rams. The LA Rams. Jared Goff in the LA Rams at number five. Now let's move on to the number four team. The number four team, I'm going with the purple people leaders. Yes, I said it. The Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Green Bay was in your top five last week. So you know what? Let me replace that position by putting the Minnesota Vikings. And guess who's getting it done right now? Guess. I want you to tell me, Brian. Who's the quarterback of this team right now? Come on, I'm waiting.
2: Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. I thought you were doing who's Hulk Hogan. A, who's the quarterback for the Keetum. Minnesota? Ha, ha. Hall of Famer, Case, Case Keenum. Whoa!
1: So you're going too far now. Drink the Kool-Aid. Not too much. It's great, by the way, too. Case Keenum and the Minnesota Vikings. These young fellas in the backfield are getting it done. Mary, who's at Murray, who's an addition, coming from the Oakland Raiders, is on this football team. And McKinnon is filling in well for Dalvin Cook. You have Diggs on the outside. You have Thielen. You have Kyle Rudolph, who's getting it done. And last but not least, you... Have the quarterback in case Keenum and don't forget about Harrison Smith and also Eric. What's his name? Frederick, I think it is. Eric, what is it? Let me hold, let me pull out my piece of paper because I got a roll here. Of. Kendricks, yes. excuse me, Eric Kendricks. Ram hold it again, voice. ram it hold again, well, we don't need a Ram. We need Minnesota. Right. Hold your tongue, son. I gave you your five, give me mine. Right now, we have Minnesota sitting at four and at number three. We have the Steelers in black and yellow. How about that guy? That guy number 84, he came back, he rebounded well. How about that guy number seven? He also rebounded well by going on the road and beating a very, very good team in the Kansas City Chiefs by going and not just basically annihilated and shut down every single thing that this team had to offer. Whether special teams, offense, defense, the Steelers did a phenomenal job of getting it done. My number two team, I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going with the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. You have your quarterback. Yes, your quarterback, their quarterback, your quarterback and running back and defense that's getting it done. Carson Wentz, he's the leader of everything that's taking place with this football right now. LeGarrette Blunt, I think he's still a force to be reckoned with. Torrey Smith. And also, Arshon Jeffries on the outside getting it done. Doug Peterson, you think he's questioned now if he's capable of leading his team? Do you think he's over in over his head right now? His team at 5-1 and one went on the road, beat a very physical team, very physical team in the Carolina Panthers, and end up putting themselves at 5-1. Arguably the best team in the NFC, and some could say in the National Football League, because of how physical they're playing. And still at number one, I'm keeping them there. And the home! Of the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith. So let me run this back to you. Nobody does it. Ram it. I'm going with the Rams at number five. Minnesota at number four. At number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles at number two. And the home
2: of the Chiefs.
1: And Kansas City Chiefs at number one. Back to you. Go ahead.
2: I'm soaking it in. You're right. You blew my mind. Let me put my cerebellum back inside my cranium. (laughs) No New England Cerebellum. in your top
1: 5? No. Defense is too bad right now. They're at number 6. They're not in there yet. Need more. But these teams I just mentioned are trending in the right direction. Think about it. The Rams is probably one of the, is probably the best team on the road right now being able to be perfect in that category, going on the road, beating a team like the Rams. I mean, what more, excuse me, like the um like your Jacksonville Jaguars. A team that's very physical, team that's capable of Beating anyone on the road right now, I think they get their get back down the road when playing against the Seattle Seahawks because they're not afraid to play good football on the road. Minnesota, I mean, what more can you say? This team is playing good with Case Keenum. He's won three of those four games. The Steelers, I think I'll keep them at three. I'm not moving them up any higher because I think the the ebb and flows of emotions that they give you, talking too much, saying not enough, not playing well I'll keep them at three because the style of football uh, with Roosevelt Knicks being the fullback, leading the helm uh, for their for their running back and Le'Veon Bell, I thought it was great. Uh, and when you look at my number two team in the E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles, Carson Wentz. And then last but not least, and the home of the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith, I think they're still playing some of the best football in the National Football League. Got caught off guard by the Steelers, but I like overall what they have in
2: Salient points, but you got a problem on Sunday. Your Rams are in London taking on your Cardinals. You spent 20 minutes telling me yesterday Adrian Peterson's changed everything for Arizona.
1: They did. It doesn't change anything. I mean, when they play, how do you think they'll line up? How do you think this defense is going to have to line up? And you know what? That's great for that division. I mean that's parity in that division to where you arguably could have three teams that are potentially and potentially potentially in position to make some noise throughout this throughout well, the well, uh, San Francisco the, the
2: is the best winless team in NFL history. I'm not right exaggerating. Now, they, they, Five only straight lost, losses lost by, three games by three points or fewer. Three
1: points or less in a total of 13 points. They're playing some good football, and we've seen an Oakland Raiders team. Uh, get in a position where one year they were fighting to win close games, couldn't get it done, end up making it to the postseason last year. So our Detroit Lion team going through those same problems, couldn't win close games, had a great opportunity last year to get that completed. They did end up making it to the postseason. Both teams lost in their first game in the postseason. Right now you see a Ram team uh, that's actually doing that, um, I would say, and also a few other teams that we were talking about that I think are in that position playing some really good football. Arizona Cardinals, that is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So right now, it's going to be a good game in London between those. That will be a game I think most will probably want to watch because both these teams are trending in the right direction. One, Adrian Peterson had a good game. Can he repeat that same type of action? And can this Rams team still be be winning, the winningest team on the road, this time going outside of the country to see if they can win? Out in London. How about that?
2: Technically, and I know you're going to love this minutiae. The Rams are the home team. They gave up a home game to go to London, but yes, both teams are getting on a plane and going to travel a long way across the pod. Yep. All right, if you got a problem with me putting Houston number five, text of our course. friend Peter King because I stole it directly from Peter. That was his <laughs> oh, idea. I had nothing it. to you're do with it. Blaming it on Peter. Own it. No, I wish I was Own that it. creative. I just ripped that off from his latest MMQB. Dot com column. You're
0: listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
3: Stay up to date on the latest news as it happens on TuneIn.
0: There
5: are 70,000 people at risk of another life-threatening situation.
3: From American politics to global events, get live 24/7 coverage with some of the top news media outlets in the world, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Radio. And when breaking news hits, TuneIn keeps you updated with up to the minute reports and analysis on the biggest stories of the day moment. Absolutely. So let's get right to it. Here's our starting line. Day or night. Get live news coverage from around the world on tune in.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Next up on NFL No Huddle the podcast, let's spotlight the reigning champions from New England with Andy Hart from Patriots.com radio. Andy, after back to back wins over the Bucks and Jets, and yes the officials probably butchered the Safarian Jenkins call, do you feel like the Patriot defense is back on track?
5: Um, that's a great question. I I would say, I think the run defense took a real nice step forward in New York, um, by far their best performance of the season, really making the jets one dimensional. Uh, the problem is that Josh McCown just added his name to the list of guys that have thrown for 300 yards against these Patriots. And that's six straight opponents that have put up 300 yards. And so I, I think there's still a lot of questions and certainly the Gilmore being inactive with a concussion. He's still not practicing. Uh, Eric Rowe is still out. So all those questions about the pass defense uh, are magnified by the fact that you're down a couple uh, key veteran players right now. So, you know, you're heading into a matchup, and I know Atlanta isn't sort of high-flying like you'd expect them to be with the passing game, and Matt Ryan's thrown too many picks, and Julio Jones doesn't have a touchdown yet. But um, I still think the way the Patriots have played defensively in, in, in terms of pass defense this is a, a scary game potentially.
1: And you better you better assume that uh, Bill Belichick will continue try to t- continue this trend of of having Matt Ryan throw an interception and Julio Jones not getting in the end zone because he's great at taking away your strengths and force you to play towards your weaknesses. But with saying that, uh, this offense obviously has been getting it done by themselves. How long can you, you think this could last where it's really about the offense and hoping the defense find a way uh, to start playing a little bit better on a consistent basis as they move forward in the season?
5: Yeah, it's it's not that sustainable, especially, you know, Brady wasn't sacked last week for the first time all year. Um, was only hit a couple times, but, uh, I think he's pretty banged up. Um, he's actually been removed from the injury report, um, after missing practices last week with that, that AC sprain. But, um, you know, to just put everything on the offense, it's, it's not sustainable. It's not a way to win as many games as this team, you know, thinks and wants to win. um, You know, that said, you know, the offense has come back to earth a little bit. Um, This is two straight weeks where you won the game, but, um, you know, you were under 25 points two weeks in a row, 19 and 24 points. And, you know, I looked back, that never happened last year where they had consecutive weeks below 25 points. I think it only happened three times total in the games that Brady played. And now you've had two straight weeks where you've been held down a little bit. Um, so, you know, this is a team that it, it's really searching everywhere. You know, they really haven't, there's no one thing, offense or defense that they can hang their hat on. Um, you know, the offensive line looked better last week, but was that cause the jets weren't good enough and the jets did some unique things in terms of the pass rush or are they taking a step in the right direction? And, you know, as I mentioned, the run defense is better, but is that who they really are? Or are they more the team that was not very good the first three or four weeks? So, you know, they've, Brady's talked about it. Belichick's talked about it. You know, they are still evolving as a team at this point. Um, and we, we still don't really know who they are in terms of the 2017 Patriots.
2: Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com radio and the Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, I'm presuming you're not an accountant, although let me ask the question. Do you have a <laughs> CPA degree?
5: I do not. Okay, but, just just you know, want to I clarify. You never know. Yeah, hey, University of Phoenix. I can get it online. <laughs> <I'm right. laughs>
2: the more you can do, the more valuable you are. So, with that as the premise, how important is it financially for Rob Gronkowski to stay healthy, have games like he had on Sunday when he had a pair of touchdowns to hit the contract incentives he was given in the off season?
5: Yeah, it's it's still going to be hard, I think, to get to the the highest number. I think it was ten point seven five million but the next one below that, and he can get that one, I believe with the all pro year. Um, but yeah, he, he put his money where his mouth is or where his performance is this year with the ability in the team worked with him on it. Obviously um, the ability to double from 5 million and change to 10 million and change. And, you know, he's looked good when he's been out there. The problem is, that, you know, he missed the one game with the thigh and about a half a game, um, you know, prior to that with the, uh, the, the other injury. And, you know, I still think he's the best tight end in football when he's on the field. And, you know, you saw last week when they need a play, he is still the guy. You know, I I know Edelman's out, but he is the guy. Third and 11, go to Gronkowski. Not only do you get the first down, you end up with a 33-yard touchdown with him high-stepping into the end zone after pulling away from the Jets' rookie safeties. Um, You know, two touchdowns. He is still the man, and you're right. It's not just, you know, for the wins and for the Patriots and what they need to be as an offense, but – for his own future, you know, for his finances, but also, you know, that he's a guy that's ridden such a roller coaster over the years because of the health where, you know, I hear from Patriots fans all the time, you know, last year, is it time to start thinking about walking away from Gronk? You can't rely on him. He's not there when you need him in the postseason. And then you see him back out there and you just remember when he's out there, he's the best there is in the game. And, and so I just think for his popularity, his standing with the team, his finances, Staying out there and making things happen are where it's at. And he just had his press conference today. He's in a very good mood, and he said he likes to see himself high-stepping because he knows that means he's feeling really good. So, feeling really good right now.
1: Andy, this this New England Patriots organization has found ways to play the mind games or, or try to remind you, especially when having an opportunity to get a rematch, that when beating you the first time, this is why and how it happened. Do you think they actually show some clips of this from the Super Bowl and how this team rebounded and came back from being down uh, by 25 points and actually taken into overtime and actually winning the Super Bowl, considering as the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history?
5: Uh, It depends on, certainly publicly, they're not saying that. In in fact, in an interesting fashion, Bill Belichick has sort of uh, nipped that in the bud all week, that this is a rematch. This is not a rematch. You know, what happened last February is irrelevant. This is a new year, new team, new opponent. They are different. We are different. Um, He's really emphasized that it's only about the five games that the Falcons have played this year, and he's studying those games and preparing for what they have to offer based on those games. Um, Is that the same reality behind closed doors? Because I know for a fact, oftentimes, whatever he says to us um, in press conferences and interviews is not the same as what he's showing. Um, So it's interesting, but I do think he he does want to put that on the back burner because – all offseason, all he has emphasized is how this is a different team, a new year, how little they've accomplished. You know, they've not established anything yet. Um, even when some of us, you know, you guys included, were talking about 19-0 and and was it a possibility? You know, he was really trying to cut that off at the pass. Um, so I do think this week it's more about, you know, these, the teams they are right now. You know, what the Falcons bring to the table with Steve Sarkeesian as their offensive coordinator, not what Kyle Shanahan and company did last year. And similarly, what they bring to the table, you know, on some level, you look back, they were down 28 to three, but they didn't have Rob Gronkowski in that game. They didn't have Brandon cooks in that game. So, you know, I think offensively the Patriots probably feel like they're a new team. And I think they look at the Falcons and say, you know, these are the Falcons this year that have lost a couple games that have thrown interceptions. We need to take advantage of the way they're playing this year um, and so I do. I think he's sort of poo-pooing the rematch of the Super Bowl, and more so, this is just a team against, you know, a potent offense in in 2017 and what they are now.
2: Andy, I revel in being wrong. It's amazing I'm still employed, all the things that I am off the mark with. And, yes, in West Virginia, I may have said to you, probably on the air as well, all your teams go in 19-0. So with that as the backdrop, take us back to Super Bowl Sunday in February. What were you thinking or tweeting when the Falcons led 28-3 in the third quarter?
5: Uh, I'll tell you, I didn't think it was completely over. I'm not going to lie and say I thought they were going to win. I'm not going to lie and say – you know, I was Julian Edelman. I'm sure you've all seen the mic'd-up segments where he kept saying, I think it was, you know, this is going to be quite a story or what a story this is going to be. Um, I was more like Chris Long, who I remember after the game admitted <laughs> he thought it was over. He didn't think they were going to win at halftime and when they were down 28-3. to um, But I'll tell you, I also – I've seen too many of these that I don't I, – I didn't give up on the possibility um, because, you know, to go back to, to the desert when they were – Um, going for the undefeated season, and they got the ball back with whatever it was, 40 seconds to play, needing a score, I thought then they'd get a score because I've seen Tom Brady do it too many times. I don't know what the number is now, but those comebacks, I've I've seen every one of them, and it's dozens and dozens of them. And so I I did not close the door on them. I just thought it was really unlikely, and they got all the help they needed from the Falcons as they sort of uh, gift-wrapped it for them with some of the things they did.
2: And as always, we appreciate the information. We know you're never wrong or inaccurate on Patriots.com radio. We'll chat with you next week. Thank you, Andy.
5: I used to never be wrong when they won all the time. But it's <laughs> harder to not be wrong when they're struggling.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after
2: this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. Touchdown! From Week 1 to Week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game with live home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown! Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the
2: podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Nick Mencio from rotoworld.com.
0: Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30 he's gone! He's gone! What a move! It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side
5: and it's picked up!
0: From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix.
2: Today, we're pleased to be joined by Nick Menzio from rotoworld.com. Nick, let's marry fantasy with reality. In the real world, there's been trade speculation about Carlos Hyde. Take you back to Sunday, the latest narrow loss for the Niners on the road in our nation's capital. Mixed bag Hyde, a pair of rushing touchdowns with only 28 rushing yards. What's the fantasy outlook moving forward?
6: Yeah, the yards definitely weren't there, but I'm looking at these snap counts and, and Hyde played 56 snaps to rookie Matt Breida, 17. So that's quite a big margin there. Uh, I know Hyde didn't get it going on the ground very much, but he, he had 47 yards to the air on five catches, 75 total yards, two touchdowns. It's a great fantasy day. We'll take that all day from running back spots when that's definitely the shallowest position on the fantasy roster. So I, I like Hyde going forward. Still, I think he's still going to be the guy in the backfield, especially if they're trying to showcase him for a trade ahead of this uh, trade deadline coming up here in, about a week and a half, two weeks. So I like rolling tide still.
1: Nick, there's a lot of injuries that took place this past weekend. Obviously, the headline of those injuries was Aaron Rodgers. How's the value of Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams and others affected?
6: Yeah, I mean, you just can't replace Aaron Rodgers right now. I mean, Brett Hundley, Brett Hundley his replacement, was, was really good in college at UCLA. Had a ton of rushing touchdowns. I know that. Has a good arm. He did not look good last week coming in, in Minnesota in relief, but that's just a tough situation for anyone to come into. Cold, coming off the bench on a, in a road environment, divisional game against a tough defense. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I just still you just have to knock Nelson and Adams down a few pegs. Maybe Nelson has a high-end wide receiver two, Adams a high-end wide receiver three, and then we'll see, we'll see what they do against the Saints at home this weekend, which looks like a good spot.
2: It's the fantasy fix with one of the best in the business, Nick. dot com. Nick, we know that Indy has a shaky defense, so could be astute to play a Jacksonville running back, but with Leonard Fournette hobbled with the ankle injury, what's the approach there? Maybe. Are you thinking about Chris Ivory?
6: Yeah, I mean, definitely if Fournette sits, which he's battled ankle problems dating, dating all the way back to his college days at LSU, so uh I mean, it's up in the air and now we're still super early in the week. Uh, he definitely doesn't have to practice on Wednesdays, which he didn't today. He could easily suit up on Thursday or Friday and practice and run some drills, but if, if Fournette sits, I definitely like running Ivory out there. And I mean, this is a run-first offense. Ivory has looked really good in, in limited action so far behind Fournette. He's a, he runs like hellaciously, just runs into guys. He has He's like Fournette, he just doesn't care about contact, which has been Ivory's problem through his career because he can't stay healthy because he plays that way, but to get the spot start, I definitely love him in this spot in Indy.
1: If Golden Tate is out for a few weeks, who gets the biggest boost?
6: Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I hope Kenny Galladay comes back. He's missed a few games here with a hamstring injury. Uh Eric Ebron has done nothing in the middle of the field at all. He's just fallen behind Darren Fells in that tight end pecking order in Detroit. Uh Marvin Jones saw fourteen targets last week, but that was a big shootout in, in New Orleans. So I'm not looking too heavy into that, but I think D. R. Riddick could be a guy that steps up in the short-passing game. We know Golden Tate runs a ton of routes out of the slot, catches a lot of balls near the line of scrimmage, so Riddick could definitely fill that role, I believe.
2: Nick, we know that Austin Safarian Jenkins has had issues off the field. Controversial moment on the field. I think the officials got it wrong. Should have been a touchdown Sunday when the Jets lost to the Patriots. Beyond all of that, do you think he's worth picking up for the weeks to come?
6: Oh, 100%. I love him in this spot again this week against the Dolphins. Since he returned from that two-game suspension the past four weeks, he's fifth among all tight ends in targets per game at 7.25. That's great volume at that position. Uh, like you said, scored a touchdown last week and had another one taken off the board questionably. He, just, he has a great schedule coming up, and he's obviously the focal point of that passing offense, especially with Robbie Anderson having an ankle injury, not practicing on Wednesday. Uh, Jermaine Curse is kind of an iffy up and down since he got traded over there from Seattle. So, Saparian Jenkins is just like the the most consistent guy in this passing offense. So, I like him a lot.
1: Is Joe Mixon finally joining Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey in touches or is he still not seeing uh, what you need to play him?
6: Uh, He's seen at least 15 carries in each of his past three games with the new offensive coordinator. But like you said, just, there's just not much going on. He's averaging 2.8 yards per carry. I'd I blame more of that offensive line trying to replace guys that they lost, like Andrew Whitworth, in the offseason. season. They're just not really gelling right now. But I, the volume is there for Mixon, and, he, and he's a mega talent. We saw it at Oklahoma. He, he reminded us of Le'Veon Bell coming out of college. So I'm definitely going to keep riding with him. And coming off this buy, and we'll see what they see what they have in order. I, I like Mixon still as an RB two, just like just because of the volume, like I mentioned.
2: If you have fantasy questions, Nick Mencio has all the answers, rotoworld.com. Nick, go back about a month ago now. Sammy Watkins had a tremendous game on the road at the Niners on a Thursday night, entered the concussion protocol, got healthy enough to be medically cleared. Since then, he's been a non-factor. Do you think he's going to raise his play, or perhaps the Rams have too many weapons?
6: Man, they keep talking about it. They keep saying, oh, we need to get Sammy Moore involved, but it's just not happening. He's like had one catch each of the past couple games, just not getting targets. Robert Woods is the leading target man on the Rams right now. And going over to London this week, he's just Watkins gets another just bad matchup that Patrick Peterson plays through that quad injury. Peterson is just one of the most locked-down corners in the league, and Watkins has been running into, into a few of those lately. Like, he played Richard Sherman a couple weeks ago. Uh, just played the Jaguars, like you said, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye on the outside there. Just his individual matchups have just been so tough. and I'm, I'm, It's impossible to play him in lineups this week.
1: Where does Zach Ertz rank among tight ends right now?
6: I love Ertz. Coming into the year, I had him ranked right behind Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey as my number three tight end. People thought I was crazy putting him, up, putting him above Kyle Rudolph, Uh But I like both those guys. Uh, Ertz is a target monster right now. He's leading the league in targets among tight ends. The Eagles throw the ball a ton, so they can support a few guys there. Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, all those guys are starting to play play better. Zach Ertz is getting all the targets. He's scoring touchdowns, which he didn't do his first few years in league. So he's raised his game a lot. I, I like him as the tight end three right behind
5: Gronk and Kelsey.
2: Finally, Nick, a hypothetical, but you can handle it. It's Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, Steelers at home. Let's say my friend Cordell Stewart was playing. Vintage Cordell Stewart. Hey, hey, hey. What would the fantasy forecast be for a man who can get it done with his legs and his arm? Ooh,
6: straight cash. Homie. Oh, man. I'd love to be having Cordell in fantasy these days. <laughs> Fantasy's gotten huge since he, since he played in the league. But not to make you sound old, Cordell. But, no, it's
1: all good. I
6: am. I mean, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be loving to have that in, in fantasy these days. I mean, rushing quarterbacks that can also throw. And you used to catch the ball a little bit too. So, yep. I mean, I'd love having you on my fantasy team.
2: That's all yeah, we need yeah. to hear. Nick, we'll talk to you next week. That's the trend this show. We wrap up every conversation by the guest telling Cordell how great he was. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Nick.
0: You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The
2: National Football League is on. Tune in. Your everything audio app.